Welcome, everybody. You have found Call to Order, a weekly podcast on military veteran recruiting. I'm your host, Dave Lemkul, here at Orion Town in Raleigh, North Carolina. Today, an internal guest, but one that has a tremendous amount of experience in a topic we're talking about, and that's Adam Schwartz with Leadership Development Programs. Adam, how are you, man? Hey, doing awesome. Thanks for having me. Good, good. Thanks for, you know, thanks for coming in. You know, we're like, you know, as we're doing this, we're like one day literally away from vacation, right? So I know time is short. So, I mean, I do appreciate it. I'm actually taking this from home. You're in the office, you know, so again, I appreciate it. Now, I think you have a tremendous amount of experience. That's, you know, that's maybe an exaggeration a little bit, but <laughs> I mean, you and I have talked on, you and I have talked on LDPs and we've been around a lot of companies that have had them. So therefore, man, I'm looking forward to hearing about like leadership development program from your perspective, you know, because everybody has their own, right? So first off, though, like we always try and keep this a little bit fun at the beginning. If nothing else, we give people two minutes of a little bit of peek behind the curtain here a little bit. So, you know, people don't know about you, right? You right. grew up Midwest, right? Midwest, yep, Central Illinois. Cold winters, I imagine. Yeah, so basically flat, full of corn, very cold. Um, <laughs> people always ask, oh, when you got out of the Marine Corps, you know, why don't you go back to Illinois? Like, have you ever been to Illinois in the winter? Uh, love my family. You know, great place to grow up. You know, small town, uh, you know, Midwestern uh, type thing. But, uh, you know, I can live in North Carolina instead. So that's what I did. So if Uncle Richie from Illinois right now is listening, I'm sorry, right? But, you know, we wanted to go south. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, understand it. understand it. So the memories of family, though, is always something I always – I know this is going out in January. But, you know, hey, look, holiday season right now as we're talking, holiday memories, like we both have kids, and, and we're thinking, man, they're going to remember this just like I remembered X. So what do you go back to in terms of that, like, horrible sweater you had to wear at eight for the photo or the train set that didn't work on Christmas Day, right? No, no, I would so – my – I love Christmas, I, right? So I, I take it, you know, I very seriously. I, you know, I'm a, I consider myself a pretty good gift giver. And as far as the kids hmm. and Christmas goes, I like to think I go, uh, you know, I go pretty, uh, you know, pretty mod- pretty solid amount of effort into it just because, you know, I, I have really good memories of it as a kid. And the reason uh, I have those memories is because of my dad. And my dad is, um, you know, awesome, you know, awesome set of parents, very lucky. But my dad loved Christmas. He went all out. Um, and not so much with gifts and anything like that, but it was just the, all the intangibles around it. So prior to Christmas, he would have his buddies call me from work back when you only had landlines and no caller ID and pretend to be Santa Claus, <laughs> right? So just like my buddy, my buddy's dad, Ralph, from the control room would give me a call in the middle of the afternoon and, you know, pretend to be Santa for five minutes. And I loved it. Um, and then as we got a little older, he would, uh, he would really sell you know, first of all, full disclosure for anybody listening in the car with, with kids or traveling on the holiday. We're going to get into Santa a little bit here. But, um, you know, he was really selling the Santa narrative, um, which I love. Like he would, you know, my, my dad was a hunter, you know, grew up in the Midwest. Um, and I would walk outside on Christmas morning after he opened presents and we would see sleigh tracks and hoof prints in the snow. Sure. Um, sure. Bitten, half bitten carrots. Like they would be on the roof. And I've got this 30 degree angled roof and they would be on the roof. You know, slate tracks, footprints, carrot residue, everything. Because, when you know, he'd, he'd hunt in the fall and then he'd harvest a deer and he would save parts of that deer, you know, the hooves to uh, be uh, wow. put on the, uh, yeah, to put in the snow. Like, it's like, like stamp them in the snow. 
and uh, wow. he would also, yeah, he, he went for it, which I loved. And then he also would, uh, you know, he would, uh, he had a story one year, like, you no, know, I don't know if you remember Swamp Thing, huge Swamp Thing guy. Um, he, you know, I, you know, Christmas is over, and he's like, he was in the backyard with the dogs, and he's like, Adam, come out here, look. And I ran outside, you know, my pajamas. In the corner of the yard, there's like this torn up present, like in the corner near the fence. Like, what is that? He said, I don't know, open it. And I opened up, and it's Swamp Thing pajamas awesome right and uh like by the end of the yard he's like oh i think i know what happened i think it fell out of santa's sleigh it landed in a yard and we found it this morning it was like wet and torn up like and it was like that's the coolest thing ever of course that's what happened right like but like he probably the night before was out walking to the backyard like throwing presents into the like the fence line for me to find in the morning so he can sell this story it's it's awesome i loved it <laughs> there's so much to go there in terms of oh yeah the hunting of like the deer and then somehow it's a lot. hunter it's a lot but honestly i don't even want to think about it putting the hoof in the snow and then i could go to like your pajamas which you know like i mean that's the, the effort his effort the, bottom line his effort was phenomenal and like i carry that with me today with the kids like i mean i i paid the story i mean i get into it i it's all for my dad and that's why i have like super specific fond memories of christmas from him for sure that that's really I always learn something on these that, that that's what I learned. That's a, that's going well beyond anything I ever did. I mean I moved the elf around like off the mantle onto like the shelf, right? And I think that's a big thing. Right. So thing. you know, that's it. It's a big thing. So okay. So I appreciate that. Let's get into leadership let's get into why we're here, right? Leadership development programs. Everybody looks at now, you know, the beginning of the year and goes, man, what are we going to do for 2020? What are we going to do for the next year? And a lot of the talk obviously is on, hey, who are my next leaders in the aging workforce you know, that we live in and baby boomers retiring? And who are my next leaders? You know, how are we getting leadership taught in an organization? We hear all these conversations. Obviously, leadership development programs is a hot topic, especially in the beginning of the year when it's just, you know, it's easier kind of right mentally to start something, you know, like we always do on diets or workouts and everything else. But in corporate, it's, you know, and it's start new programs and leadership development is, is a, a very common one. Yet, a lot of people either A, don't know how to do it, or B, maybe could tweak it how they're doing it. So really today is, you know, let's talk about this, you know. From your perspective, and you've been in one, right? I mean, right. you've been in a past company, had a very, you know, had a very uh, mature program. So you've seen it from the inside. You've also talked to clients. You've seen it and had it. So you've seen it from the outside like I have. Yeah. You know, so from the step one, if you're developing, if you're at a company and looking at starting a leadership development program, what's the first thing you're looking at? I think it's important for the first thing is – you know, why are you doing this? Right. I mean, mm -hmm. it's, you know, everyone knows there's benefits to it. It's just a great thing to do. And, you know, all the big, you know, uh, multinational companies do this and they have leadership development for military. But what problem are you as a business unit trying to solve with this leadership development program? Is it, you know, simply developing bench strength? Is it a specific mm -hmm. area of your business that's struggling uh, where you need um, specific leadership help with? Um, in my case, the program was kind of started to develop um, frontline leaders on the manufacturing floor, right? So mm -hmm. um, they said, well, there's a weakness here. We have this tool and a leadership development program. Let's tailor that program to solve this problem for us. So I think that the first step is the problem framing. You know, what's, where are areas we need help in? And then, you know, how can we 
use this leadership development tool to fill those gaps or solve that problem. Yeah. You know, and, and it's just like, uh, you know, just like anything, right. And like, and being from the military, we're familiar with this, but like a mission statement or, you know, Hey, what is my, what's my end state? And let's work backwards, you know? So this kind of bleeds very well into a nice segue into, you know, the types of programs you can have. It can be, like you said, like you were in operations, it could be a sales leadership development program where it's, you know, fully vested. Everybody's in that, you know, sales role. It could be marketing as a, as a separate piece. It could be engineering. I mean, or, you know, probably the most traditional we hear about is kind of this overall, you know, you touch a lot of the different, you know, aspects of a, of an organization, you know, some call it a rotational program, right? So mm-hmm. from that point of view, that ties in obviously to what problem you're trying to solve. If it's a sales problem, hey, you can have a sales LDP, you know, and focus there. You know, don't mix match, right, in terms of what you're trying to what you're trying to solve. But now you get into, you know, the nuts and bolts. Okay, let's say we have an overall, you know, let's use the example and kind of run it through. You know, so we're looking for overall leaders in our organization through multiple departments, engineering, ops, sales. Let's use, you know, the the common three. And now, okay, now what? Now we have to go into the next, and we want to have a, a rotational piece. Okay, we decide on that. Now what's next up? Yeah, so I think it's, you know, so, okay, you kind of say, hey, here's the business unit we want this program to exist in, or multiple business units, however you want to structure it. I think there's an expectation setting piece that I've seen be really important um, for both the candidates and the hiring managers that uh, might either receive these candidates on rotation or when they come off the program. So you as a business Mm -hmm. unit do a good job of defining the end state, right? We want, you know supply chain leaders, you know, specifically folks that will lead on a manufacturing floor. Let's say that's your end state. Um, but with that, that's got to be clearly communicated to the candidates as they enter the program and throughout the program. If that candidate comes in, let's say, so my first role as a uh, Marine infantry officer um, coming out of the service for the first time was leading a uh, team of about 100 people in a production environment. That was done deliberately because I have the leadership skills. Um, clearly demonstrated through my Marine Corps career, but I don't know anything about, you know, civilian industry. I don't know anything about manufacturing, Lean Six Sigma, um, any of those things. So let's let you leverage your leadership skills right away um, in a uh, kind of a entry-level leadership role. And then while the while you'll pick up that part of it fast, you'll use that kind of extra time you have to learn about the business, the product, uh, manufacturing in general. So for me, it's, okay, great, I, I did this, and then I did an opportunity in project management, and then I led uh, a team in engineering, um, and I kind of said, wow, I really like the project management side of this. This is really what I like to do coming off my rotations. You know, I want to pursue a project management role full time. But the business's expectation was that I was a, you know, frontline leader in the manufacturing floor once I came off program. So we kind of got misaligned through the program. I got excited about a particular path, and then we came back at the end of a program say, hey, here's your full-time role you know, there was a, a gap in expectation. So managing that expectation through the program here, he's defined what the end state of this is, and then gearing those rotations to ultimately make that that end state come true. So maybe I didn't need to do a project management role. Maybe I need to do a, you know, production leadership role here, a product engineering role on the floor here, and, you know, a quality role on the floor here. So um, keeping that end state in mind throughout the program and making sure those rotations 
sync up with the, what you want the end product to be uh, to meet that end state. Yeah, and, and, and you hit on some, I mean, expectations, right, are a key piece, but let's, let's take a step back into the expectations, right, of the people running it, of the business unit leaders, you know, who are going to be in charge of people in this leadership development program, right? And, you know, obviously, as part of, you know, the wording, it says development, right? So they're not, in a sense, a full-time, you know, giving you 100%, they're still developing. You still have to train them. That's their purpose of being with you as yeah. that business unit leader. And then up top, you have a steering committee, executive sponsor, you know, someone who's looking at the overall program and, and making tweets, you know, tweaks from an outside, you know, view. You know, maybe maybe a little bit more experience. Talk about that in terms of how that has to be aligned before you even get candidates maybe into this to make sure we're off to the right track, like you said. Yeah, so just overall structures, you mentioned it, having a, a business champion or a sponsor on the C-suite or executive level, you know, maybe they have a military background, maybe they're just, um, you know, they understand the military skill sets and, uh, you know, they're proud to champion that kind of cause, but to have a champion that kind of can control the, um, you know, how this program looks, you know, um, be kind of that uh, higher level business level champion of what you're doing um, is important. So you have to have that or even a committee of those people in place. If you've got an existing employee resource group, um, that is a great um, that's a great talent pool to draw from. You know, typically those are a group of people that are going to love to champion this uh, this program, and also really the first people you should probably be going to for those assignment leaders while they're on program. Um, yeah. So it's, it's having that leadership team in place and that support system in yeah. place, and then you kind of mentioned it's having the right people taking these uh, people through the leadership program as far as who they'll be working for. I think something I ran into that was a little bit of a pitfall is uh, I had worked for someone who, you know, this leadership program was new. They'd never had anyone on this type of leadership program before working for them. So, you know, something like this, you know, the way we had scoped it was the leadership program came first. So I would be pulled mm -hmm. out for a negotiations class or a Lean Six Sigma class out of the middle of the day, maybe the busiest time of the day. Uh, and I'd be expected to go professional development, mentoring, networking things. I was always asked to go do that. Uh, and I always had to come first. And I don't think that was made clear to my um, rotational leader at the time that, you know, hey, hey, Steve, I'm out of here at 10. Like, I got to go. Um, you know, not because I didn't want to be there because the program had asked me to do other things. So I think it's setting those expectations back to that term again with those rotational, yeah. um, you know, owners of the, the people on the program that, you know, either, hey, work comes first or does the leadership program come first? Like, what's that expectation as far as that person's time management? Because, yes, they're there to provide value to you, um, but they're there to learn first and foremost. So those learning opportunities are going to come up and they've got to be ready to lose you. Yeah, and, and, and that's a full, it's a whole cohesive, you know, philosophy on, hey, we're going to develop our leaders. And, yes, we're all going to take a piece of this, right, as a, you know, part of the good for the whole you know, the whole company, the whole organization, the whole department, whatever it is. Now, you mentioned ERG, you know, obviously referring to like a veteran ERG. But, you know, one thing I want to say is, and, and I've seen it from a leadership development program, it's really good to have, and, you know, most companies will do this, but, you know, you have internal employees who want to take that step, right, who know the business, who have been yep. with the company, and now want to get leadership development. And then you can bring you know, now you say, okay, let's go target our military. Let's, let's make it a third internal employees, a third military veterans, 
you know, of some background that makes sense in terms of coming in. Maybe it's a very technical piece. Maybe it's a, you know, strong leadership, you know, candidate you're after. And you bring them in and say, okay, you have the skill set from the outside. I want to teach you the business, you know, and it's, and, and that, and their rotation is geared for them. And we're going to get into kind of, you know, how the structure is it, is it rigid or is it fluid? And then maybe it's also your college grad, you know, in a, in a sense, and maybe they're into the program longer, which again, we're going to get into in terms of the structure. So, you know, you can have, and just like an MBA class, if you will, different experiences in the class, in the group, networking together, helping one another with shared experiences, I think is really what, you know, LDPs are all about or, what I've seen the most successful ones have a melting pot of experiences in that, in that group. So, you know, yeah. so really good. So then, I mean, we both hit on it, right? So now you have a whole different, a bunch of experiences in, you know, in the class, you know, per se, right. And you can, you can structure how big and, you know, I, I know some companies, they say, well, I only want four or five people in it. And then as they rotate in, I bring some other, you know, new people in, I kind of keep this rotation going, you know, others have it as a class, you know, every 12 months, we're going to have an LDP and then they graduate and I start over fresh with everybody. You know, you can, you can run it, you know, kind of as you see fit. But, you know, one part we were talking about here is different experiences and what they get out of the program. So from your perspective, you can have it like you said, I'm going to do X amount of months in this job, X amount of months in here. You know, heck for me, I mean, you just said you walked into a job that had a hundred people off the bat. If I bring in, you know, if I bring in somebody who doesn't have that leadership experience into that kind of role, I'm setting them up for failure, right? I mean, it has to be based on the candidate profile where I'm going to put them for that LDP. Yeah, absolutely. So when, um, you know, in my experience, we had, I think in the one, that one area of the production floor, we had three different leadership rotation participants, you know, Mm -hmm. um, covering down in the same area, or we all had different experiences and scopes. I came from the military leadership development program. Um, I had much more leadership experience than they both did, um, but I came from a non-tactical background. Um, The other person that was working there, she um, was an engineering major. Um, but maybe didn't have the leadership experience. So she was kind of in charge of a certain part of that, that process. And then we had a, um, an intern or co-op um, with, you know, going through the engineering program at a, at a well-regarded engineering school, but it never led anyone a day in his life. So they kind of, he kind of worked for us essentially on, uh, you know, programs. So he kind of had these like three different layers of leadership development programs, all working in the same area, doing, you know, mm-hmm. you know, production level leadership, but we're all given different scopes and our rotations were all mm-hmm. different times. I was on eight month rotations. Um, the uh, the uh, college graduate, recent college graduate, um, she was on six month rotations. And the co op was on a six month rotation as well. So it can be different. Um, you know, tailor these mm-hmm. these rotations to the person's experience. Um, you know, the mm-hmm. time you have them, what your end state is. Because for me, the it was kind of said, hey, you're gonna be there for eight months, which is a long time. We're expecting you to add more value than that person that's gonna be there for six months because you've more experience. Mm-hmm. And you're there for longer. So it's more, mm-hmm. I'm going to learn, but I'm also going to turn around and add value. Well, maybe if you're doing shorter rotations, it is simply about exposure. You're going to get in there. You're going right. to see how it works. You're going to learn a little bit. Um, you're going to help out where you can, but then you're on to the next thing to learn something else. So um, kind of keeping in mind those rotations can be geared toward learning, staying at a value for a certain period of time, you know, or just simply exposure and learning if you want to tailor them um, you know, to a shorter time frame. Now, you mentioned exposure, 
and that's something that you brought up as we were preparing for this um, in terms of exposure, not only to the business unit and the and the and the, and the policies and procedures and kind of how things work in that you know in that role you're in, but exposure to the leaders in the organization, you know, you know, networking within that to understand how they do business and how they lead and you know, what they've seen in the organization. Did you get that in your past experience? Yeah. So the way we had structured it was um, there's three month, three eighth month rotations within the first two years um, of your employment there. So like I said, came out, did an eight, uh, eight month entry level um, shop floor leadership type role. I did a process improvement um, type role for eight months and then I did a project management role for eight months. Um, and the way ours was geared is that you're going to stay in Wentz. We're a multi-national, multi-site manufacturing facility. So you're going to stay at the headquarters where they had four different manufacturing sites. You're going to rotate around. You're going to do eight months in this facility. You're going to do eight, eight months at another facility, another role. And you're going to do eight months at another facility, another role. But I'm all going to stay in the same physical um, city, uh, major metro area. Now, some programs, and that was great because, you know, I could relocate to one space. I could move my family there. I had that stability. But I also got exposure to different sites. But based on how your business is structured, you might not have that option. So, you know, an option for you might be, okay, you're going to do a rotation in Chicago, you're in a rotation in Raleigh, and then your third rotation is going to be somewhere else. And you've got to be geographically flexible and open um, to where you go. Um, it just may be structured that way. Um, mm-hmm. But I'd say the ultimate benefit is, yes, you're going to learn different processes, different products, different um, business, um, different aspects of the business. But you can hit on too. It's it's a lot of it's about the people. I mean, you're going to meet different leaders. You're going to meet different groups. You're going to work with different teams. It's a lot of things coming out of the military specifically is you know hey I knew I knew what I needed to do. Hey I saw that what was happening and I knew I needed to get it done. The hardest part was for me was just finding out you know a large matrix mm-hmm. organization was who to go to to get that done because I couldn't do it myself. Mm-hmm. So the huge mm-hmm. value in the, the rotational leadership program is the people you meet um, outside of the processes and the technical side of things for sure. Yeah, and, and it's a great segue into, you know, obviously companies are structured the way they are, right? And, you know, to make it, you know, truly effective, you may have to rotate, you know, from in Indiana to Chicago, you know, to Florida, and, and that may be a three-month, a six-month piece. And that, you know, goes with expectations alignment at the beginning, like you talked about in the very beginning. Yeah, well, exactly. This is this is what the expectation is. You know, to be in the program, you know, you're going to get out of this exposure to these four units, the exposure to the leaders in each of these business segments over these two years. You know, we'd like you to be a, you know, general manager, operations, you know, manager on the back end, but in the middle, you have to have the, you know, we have the expectation of you, of you know, moving every four to five months to get that piece of the puzzle, right? So there's an expectation management, yeah, you know, that has to be up front, right? But now, you know, so you've done the executive sponsor, you've defined the program, you understand what it's going to be. In this case, we're going to talk about a rotational piece. It's going to be structured differently depending upon who's going to come in between your college, you know, graduates, between your internal employees, you know, between your military veterans who, who come out of the service into it. Now the question is, who's going to pay for this? <laughs> you know, this is this is some great ideas, but hey, wait a second. Like, I have to move Adam and his family. I have to pay, you know, additional headcount maybe into a sector 
you know, I'm fighting for profit margin right now. Yeah, I want leaders, but you know, I got a budget, right? So <laughs> what are some options companies can use here for budgets? Yeah, no, that's a great point. It, it's always, oh, this sounds like a great idea. We know how awesome this is. We love it. We're all in. And then everyone kind of looks at each other and says, okay, who, who's going to write the check, right? Um, mm-hmm. So, and I think that ties back to your end state, right? What, who is going to benefit from the program? So, yes, the, the business unit as a whole is going to benefit for, from it. But, you know, who in this person comes off program, a developed uh, leader with a strong background in various parts of the industry, who are they going to come out and benefit? If it's supply chain, then maybe that supply chain leader should be paying for and sponsoring that program. If um, it's maybe more open, you know, they're rotating through different roles outside of one business unit, maybe it should be business sponsored. What I'll say is what I've seen work the best is if, um, you know, it's sponsored somewhere on the corporate level. And I say that because um, what you want to do is be able to have that candidate, I'm sorry, that, uh, that employee on that rotational leadership program, you know, be taking the opportunities that are best for them, not necessarily the ones that are willing to pay for it. So, mm-hmm. hey, I know that I need to rotate him or her through you know, these three specific areas um, to make them the most developed leader I can, I can have coming off program. But that hiring manager, if he's carrying the budget, hey, I've only got this person for six to eight months. You know, I don't want to use my headcount on this person because I want to bring in a full-time employee. You know, I've got, I've got goals to make. I've got end of year to worry about having this person come in for a couple months knowing I'm going to lose them, I don't want to pay for them, which is understandable, right? So if on a corporate level, they say, hey, during the program, you know, we carry headcount, we carry costs, and then that first person coming off program and the two years, whatever that's scoped as, you know, it's like any other full-time hire at that point. That business unit is going to carry the cost of that person. But while on rotation, mm-hmm. we'll cover them at a corporate level because that's going to allow us the flexibility to put them where we need to and not have to worry about individual, you know, um, hiring managers, profit and loss statements where we can just you know, hey, he's covered by us. You got him for eight months. You know, develop him. It's extra help. Um, that's the best mm-hmm. way I've seen it done. But there are are obviously variations to that. Yeah, I mean, and again, you want to have those conversations up front. That's the conversations you're having as you develop your program, right? Because you can make the program as expansive, as long, you know, as you know, as you can think of, as you can dream of. But obviously, there's a price tag for moving Adam four times, you know, versus twice, you know, as a price tag for having him in the program, 18, 19, 24 months versus 12, you know, so have those conversations up front, but your point is well taken in terms of if it's at a, a corporate budget, it frees up your business, you know, units to really not have that, you know, you know, thought, but really just pure development, you know, of these individuals, you know, who are, you know, going to be future leaders, right? In the organization, right. that's the, you know, that's the goal, you know, so then you get to the end and really at the end state, you know, I've seen a lot of companies say, look, you know, if it fits you, you can stay where you are, you know, as your last piece, depending upon how your company's set up or at the end you go, okay, you know, what did you like best? Are you like project management best? We have a need in project management. You did well over there six months ago. Let's put you back there. Right. Right. You match up needs of the company to what, you know, that you know, participant in the LDP liked, and now you have a good match as best you can. Hopefully, depending upon location, you know, that's all internal, right? But again, the more flexible you can make it, you know, the better off you are in terms of that end state to put the people where you want them, 
you know, because the goal is, right, to put people in leadership roles as they come out of this program, hence leadership development program, it's really add value to your, you know, to the organization as well. So terrific. Yeah. And, you know, the piece that I always, that I key on as soon as I, I started talking to you th- with this is I went to the recruiting aspect of it. You know, the whole, you know, war on talent you hear in. Well, what can yeah. I do to help retention? What can I do to attract mm-hmm. people to my organization? Well, you know, you have a well-defined leadership development program that allows your your internal employees a place to go, you know, have some real great training, you know, have in, investment by the company. And then you have people on the outside, be it a college graduate, be it someone in industry, be it a, a military veteran who's transitioning out, look and go, okay, why do I want to come to your company? What do you offer that's different than somebody else? Well, you know, here's our leadership development program that has been, you know, right now we have it for 18 months where you're going to do X, Y, and Z. And over that time period, you know, it can be a huge recruiting tool in my opinion. Oh yeah. I mean, it's a huge win-win. I mean, if you look at it from both sides, you know, from the employer side, obviously they get the chance to um, develop an employee, you know, you know, throughout that program, I, you know, I was fortunate enough to be sent to, you know, like I said, negotiations class, finance classes, a Six Sigma. I got my MBA on program. I did all those things, mm-hmm. and I rounded off two years later a really well-rounded employee. So the business benefits from that, and they're, I'm invested in them. They're invested in me, you know, and I'm there for the long haul. Um, so a retention tool, it's great. But if our, like you mentioned, for a recruiting tool, I mean, coming out of the mil- coming out of the Marine Corps as an infantry officer, I knew I was a strong leader. I knew I could succeed at whatever I put my mind to based on my experience with the Marine Corps. I didn't exactly know what that was. I knew that operations, supply chain would be a great fit for me, manufacturing great fit for me as a leader. But within that, I didn't really, I didn't truly know what I was getting into until really the first day I showed up and did the job. So to be able to come in and have a, and know that they're going to work with me, they're going to expose me to different parts of the business, they're going to teach me the things that need to be successful. You know, I, I, I had an offer um, for, a, uh, for a builder, uh, to come be a uh, builder for a major builder on the East Coast. The same day I got it, my uh, leadership development offer. Um, and it was a no-brainer because, you know, I could take this role, you know, as a builder and maybe do really well. But, you know, there was some uncertainty there because I'd never done that. But with that LDP, I knew that, you know, I was going to be able to figure it out while I'm programmed um, and find something I enjoyed and find a good mutual fit um, that, uh, you know, long-term was going to be the best fitting for me. So that LDP is going to win every time over that direct hire opportunity um, for a military veteran just because of that that uh, flexibility they're given through that. No, hundred, no, hundred percent, man. And, and you know what you, I, again, things you learn on this, I didn't know you had your MBA. Yeah. You know, look at that. You know, stuff I, you know, we're learning. Been with you for, been with you for a long time. Had no clue. You know, so, so look, this has all been, this has all been really good. I mean, I think what I would recommend, and and I'll you know, let you just do it, right? I'm just like any program. The yeah. first rotation of an LDP, the first time you you have folks, it's not going to be perfect. It's going to be herky jerky. You're going to have you know you're going to miss on where you put people, how long you put them there. You maybe how many networking events you have and and extras versus or full time jobs. And it's going to be off, but it will get better. And as it gets better, your return on investment will get better. Your retention will get better with it. Your recruiting aspect will get better yeah. with it. 
you know, but just do it. I can't, in my mind, it's a just start it and, and work yourself through it. So yeah, and I think and we talked and we talked and it sounds complicated in a leadership development program and how you can scope and frame it. It doesn't have to be hard. It really doesn't right. start small, start with one person, say, Hey, you know, you can start in one, one plant or one office Just say, Hey, I'm going to rotate you through three jobs, you know, these three different desks over the course of the first year. And the end state is this, and you try it and you'll tweak mm-hmm. it and it'll change. And then if it works, you hire somebody else and it gets bigger and you get more mm-hmm. attention. There's more sponsorship. So just try it. It doesn't have to be hard. We can walk you through it. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, I think it's a win-win. I know if, you know, I was a business, uh, you know, a decision maker in a business, why, I don't know why I wouldn't do it. You know, it just, it just makes right. sense for both parties and it's easy. It doesn't have to be hard. Like I said, we can walk you through it. That's what we're here for. Um, but, um, you know, couldn't recommend it enough. As someone who's been through it, as someone who's led on those programs, as someone who now recruits people to join those programs, uh, you know, couldn't speak highly enough of it as a tool um, for both retention and, and bringing in the right people. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Adam, I appreciate it. I mean, I thought this was really, really informative. I think, again, I learned something from your experience with LDPs, with, you know, your take on it. I think everybody's got perspective on it, but I think, you know, for the, the folks out there, you know, have an organ, have a goal going in, have a senior leadership sponsor, and just start. Yep. If you take that away from this in terms of an LDP, I think you're off to the right track. You can't recommend it enough. But you know, thank you again, Adam. Thank you for your time. Thanks for the knowledge, man. I, I appreciate it. I thanks for everybody who's listening out there. We appreciate you. I want to hear your ideas on this. Have a great day, everybody, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, everybody.